Today's episode is going to be about the good apology. A good apology is an essential life skill to have developed. And we know that it's one of those things that we would love for our children to be able to give sincerely, not just with their arm twisted or a thread hanging over their head and for them just to say sorry, but an actual sincere apology. How on earth do we instill the ability to do that for our children? And what is maybe one of the reasons that it comes more easily to one of your children than perhaps other of your children if you got more than one? This and so much more is what we're going to delve into in today's episode. Welcome to Curious Not Furious. I'm Louise Brooks, parenting coach and family advisor and a mom of two. I support parents to navigate the ups and downs of life with kids through one-to-one sessions, online courses and workshops. And here, where I take on the hard questions and offer actionable strategies and inspiration that can help you in your parenting. Let me first share with you one of my absolute favorite quotes. And it's not by a parenting authority or anyone in the space of the talking business. In fact, it's from a musician and it's from the legendary jazz musician uh, Miles Davis, who famously said, when you hit a wrong note, it's the next note that makes it good or bad. Just think about that one for a minute. It's the next note after you've hit a bad note that makes it good or bad. And there is so much wisdom in that statement, I think, because it's directly applicable to human relationships as well. It's obviously a metaphor for how we relate to each other when we've shown up in our meaning, you know, in our deepest relationships and we've made a mistake. We've said something we wish we hadn't said. We have failed to do something or did something that we wish we hadn't done. And I know in parenting, one of the hardest things to have to accept is that we aren't always able to do things perfectly. You know, so much of parenting just happens in the moment and in response to a barrage of requests and an unrelenting succession of, you know, demands put on us all the time. And we are so intimately connected with our kids and it's so constant that it's impossible to not sometimes say or do things despite our best intentions that is going to cause hurt or upset in the other person, in our child or in our partner for that matter. So let's just get really clear on that, that it's not easy, right? When we have failed to be the perfect parent, that we've failed to relate to our kids who we love more than anything in the world in a way that is not in line with our mer- with our values. I mean, it's uh, especially not great because so many of us are bombarded with information about how telling off, raising your voice, and you know, shaming your child is going to affect your child's brain negatively and weaken their sense of self and give them negative self-esteem. And this means, of course, that when we do lose our temper with our child's behavior, it feels like we are extra hard on ourselves because we ought to know better right and what most of us end up doing with that is depending on you know maybe our 
temperament, maybe our personality, maybe our day form. We do one of two things. We either feel righteous and just hold on to our right to sort of lose our shizzle in that moment and say, well, that will teach them. They know not to do that now and hold on to the fact that even though we went about maybe saying what we needed to say in that moment in a not so decent way, we still stand by it. It's their fault that they are not taking this on board. Or we do another thing, which I think the majority of us on this call might relate to more, which is we enter into a shame spiral. Hey, what's the matter with me? I'm a horrible parent. Look what I've just done. Look what I've just said. How can they ever forgive me? So I want to just say about this, that when we feel defensive and find ourselves justifying our reaction, it is not a sign that we're a bad person or a sign that we have no empathy. In fact, often that type of righteousness or defense, uh, defensiveness is a defense mechanism that many of us have just had to erect early on in life, perhaps to shield ourselves from shame and blame from parents or authority figures. It's a natural thing if you've been in the receiving end of a lot of shame and blame yourself. The trouble is just that if we get stuck in our righteousness about it and insist on our right to lose our temper regularly, it's just that we end up then losing sight of the person who's been affected by our reaction, which is our child. And that's kind of not what we want. The opposite is certainly not what we want either. We don't need to enter into a shame spiral. That's absolutely not helpful to anyone. And I know that many parents who reach out to me are coming to me from maybe that place of feeling like they've offered many apologies over the years and it's wearing a bit thin. They feel that it's not okay that I keep doing this thing. Maybe there's also an element of it's not okay that my child keeps doing these things, but they are aware of themselves as someone who should be able to act better in that moment. And therefore, the apology ends up becoming a bit of a bit of a sort of mixed message to their child. They feel on the one hand ashamed of what they've been doing. And on the other hand, they feel like, but there's also something here my child needs to learn. So what I want to focus on in today's session is how do we, how do we talk to both those things? How do we give a good apology without messing it up with an excuse? That line came to me, I need to say, actually, from when I was in a pair in America back when I was 18 years old. I went over to America to take care of two kids. That was my first year abroad. And um, I took care of two kids who were into karate. And in their dojo, in this karate dojo over in America, they had a big sign that said, don't mess up a good apology with an excuse. And as some statements do, you know, it just imprinted on my mind and I never forgot it. I actually don't even think it said mess up. I think it says if dot, dot, dot up an apology with an excuse. And I just came back to it. I've come back to it over the years in many different contexts of my life. And since I've become a parent, it's more apparent to me than ever before how true this is. Because I think when we become parents, we adopt an expectation that it's our birthright as parents to be respected. Our kids need to respect it no, no matter what, right? This seems to be the, the script that we get 
handed down from previous generations that because I'm your parent, because I said so, because I'm your mom, because I'm your dad, you just need to do as I say. And that's possibly why it can feel very conflicting to apologize to our kids for our actions. It can feel a little bit like we dethrone ourselves, like we're giving up sovereign sovereignty or we are in some ways undermining our own authority. But I promise you, it couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, those of us who recognize that maybe for our kids that there is a little bit of work to be done in terms of mustering a good apology to their sibling or other people or to us, you'll be happy to hear that the ability to give a good apology is a lot more effortless for a child who's been in the receiving end of an apology. It actually increases our child's respect for us because they see us as someone who can own both our good and our bad sides. Okay, And there's congruency between what we say and what we do. So that's certainly how many of my clients are feeling. They're feeling, oh, this is really nice to know that I don't lose authority or respect by learning to give a good apology to my children. But there are four traps that we can so easily fall into when we're offering a good apology. And this is whether it's to a child or to a partner or a coworker or a parent or anyone we've wronged, anyone that feels that they have been hurt by us. And I want to share those four traps, those four mistakes that we tend to make. And uh, I want to tell you what you can do instead to avoid making those mistakes and make your apology a lot more sincere, a lot more impactful and bring you closer to your child or to whomever you're giving an apology. One of those things is that we tend to say, sorry, if. Uh, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Sorry if. Just picture yourself here. Someone is doing, saying something really hurtful to you, have really wronged you, and they go, sorry if. That implies that there's a question mark as to whether it even happened, whether it is even accepted that your feelings were hurt or that wrong was done on their part. The sorry if is a weak apology. So what we want to do instead is we want to say what we're sorry for or we don't say sorry at all. I'm sorry that would be a good sentence starter because it acknowledges that what happened did in fact happen and lets the other person know that you care. So that's the first place to start. So if you are a sorry if kind of person, catch yourself, say what you're sorry for, or maybe simmer on it and decide that I'm not quite ready to offer this apology from a place of sincerity just yet. The second thing, the second trap that we can fall into is apologizing for our feeling, especially with our kids. There is this assumption that we shouldn't be angry. I disagree. We can absolutely be angry with our kids. And in fact, how else are our kids to know to have a good relationship with their anger if we can't model that it's okay to feel angry? It's one of the basic human emotions. And, you know, when we feel angry, it's usually a sign that a boundary was crossed or that we need to set a boundary or 
that there's something that's not okay with us. So it moves us to action. So I'm so sorry I got angry. It's not a good place to start because it tells our child that it's bad to feel angry. So never apologize for your feeling. Your feelings are always okay. There are messengers. What you can be sorry about is how you dealt and expressed your feeling. This could sound like, I got very angry when you did that or said that. And I'm very sorry that I ended up and then name the behavior. Whether that's yelling, taking all your toys away, throwing eggs in the bin, cancelling your birthday party, yanking you, whatever you did in that moment. That's what you're sorry for. You're sorry for your actions or your behavior, but you're not sorry for your emotion. It's a really critical piece that we don't say, I'm so sorry, I got got cross. The third thing that we often do is we say, but. That little operational word, but, can change everything that went before that but. So you could have said beautifully, you could have said, I'm sorry for... And I'm sorry for how I handled my emotion. And then you say, but, and all you do is you then negate all of the brilliant things you've just said. But implies that you didn't really mean it. So what you could say here is, I could see that that was really upsetting for you. Or I could see you got really scared. That's far more important than saying, but. Because but would just lead you to justify why you think the other person is wrong. That's not an apology. That's an entirely different thing. So we could string it all together and say, I'm very sorry that I ended up yelling before. I got very angry when you did this. I could see that the way I handled that really upset you or you got really scared and then name the behavior of what you did. Okay. Can you hear how this completely changes the the tone between you? There's a lot more sincerity because a good apology has to offer something of us it has to cost us something and what it costs is our pride isn't it it's a it's it's a humble act to assume responsibility for what we did and what would often be a fourth mistake you could say that we make here is that we would say can you forgive me now when it comes to adult adult I personally think, can you forgive me, would be an appropriate thing to say. When it comes to child, adult, child, parent, can you forgive me is not the right sentence. Because it's not up to our child to forgive us. It's kind of up to us to be able to hold ourselves in that uncomfortable space that it is to have messed up, have made a mistake, have done something that's outside of our values, And it's not up to our child to forgive us. It's up to our child to feel free to be upset with us for as long as they want. It's it's not really something we can do anything about. We set our child free to feel about the situation what they feel. It's not about a quick fix and now, can you give me a hug? Can we be friends? Can you forgive me? We don't gloss over anything. We give our child space to feel the way they feel. So skip the can you forgive me. And instead, you could say, I'll try my hardest not to do that next time. I don't like doing that. A lot more authenticity in that, a lot more vulnerability in that. I hope you can hear the difference. 
The hardest part, you know, about apologies is resisting the urge to justify our actions by saying that word sorry or sorry but. Yet for an apology to be healing, we undo everything when we say but. Sometimes, though, an and can be much more loving. And this would really work if there was something that was not okay about what your child did and you feel like this would be a perfect moment to, to say this. So instead of saying but, we could maybe pause and then we could go and in the future I would like it or if next time I would like it. When we feel angry, we try and use our words instead of hitting. This could be like a general thing. The and would actually apply to both you and your child. And no, this does not lessen your authority or this doesn't mean that your child doesn't respect you in the future. It does the opposite. Because I'm sure listening to this, there could be part of you that goes, oh, doesn't this just let my child off the hook? But I'm here to tell you that all too often we want too much from each conversation we have with our child. So when we're in the process of giving a heartfelt and sincere apology, we think I'll also just chuck some moral lessons in there. And I'll also just talk about how we could do this in the future. And I also will just talk about how this mustn't happen again and how it happened in the past. And what we do is we dilute the message. We overwhelm our child with information. And one of the best ways to get through to a child, especially a young child, is to speak in smaller, shorter sentences. Be more precise. Have little breaks. Pause. Put a full stop to your sentence. Otherwise, it just becomes too much and our child cannot take it in. So if you want to repair and teach in the same breath, you most likely are going to only get one thing through. So the teaching would be the bit that your child hears, that they, you want their child to, be, to, to change in the future. They don't really hold on to the repair that you just so beautifully did or vice versa. So remembering that timing is everything and that a child cannot learn when in a state of stress or distress or upset, we're far better off to save that other part of the conversation, perhaps to the time when we both calm down and are well outside of the moment that caused all this upset. The last thing I want to really focus on here is that repairing is always, always a parent's job. Repairing when things go wrong between us is always our job because we are 100% responsible for the tone, the language used, the quality of our relationship with our child. That's always our responsibility. I know it's boring, but that's the case. And the reason being is because we have the power and we also have the cognitive faculties to be and the social skills and the capacity to change the dynamic. Our kids don't. So... If you recognize that your kid often ends up coming to you when you've, for want of a better word, fallen out, when one word is taken the next and you end up having said or done something that you didn't really want to do that wasn't in line with your values, there's no moral judgment here, but what doesn't feel good for you, a good place to start might be to begin to rebuild the bridge of connection before your child initiates it. Some children have sort of gotten into a habit with mom and dad that when they fall out with mom and dad, they will come and repair. They will come and say, sorry, before mom and dad do. And I'm 
don't want you to overgeneralize here. There can absolutely be situations where you have nothing to apologize for and it's absolutely your child's job to do it. But if there was something you felt you needed to apologize for, it is important that we get into the habit of offering an olive branch, of holding out a hand, of opening the door to connection again with our child so that they can rest in our love and not work for it. I really want you to trust that it's not that we make mistakes that matters because it's inevitable, but is that we take steps to repair and assume responsibility for what is ours in those moments that really matter. It's actually an opportunity to do do things over. So what I really like that whenever I make missteps in my parenting and I say things in ways that I don't mean to say them actually is that when I come back I say things the way I wanted to say them the first time around. It's my opportunity to add all the qualities that were absent when I said it in a in a in a state of high emotion. Because when we do that we free our kids from making up stories about their own worth and their own lovability. A really key thing to remember here is that when we just let these moments pass us by and we just let them be and we don't come back and repair, what happens for children, because we, are, we all have brains that are like meaning-making machines, so what happens for children is they start making meaning of what just happened and the meaning they make is not that, oh, I just, I think mom and dad are just having a tough day. Mom probably hasn't had a rest all day. She probably hasn't even had a coffee yet. That's probably why she yelled. No, kids don't think that. Kids think, I'm bad. I deserve that. So a devastating fact, but maybe one that we can just use as a bit of a prompt to get over our own pride when we don't really feel that it's easy to apologize and own up to what we've done Devastating fact is that when we tell off our children, they don't stop loving us. They stop loving themselves. Now, I don't want that to be something that hangs over your head, like something you need to feel guilty about or anything like that. We can stop this from today. Now you know. If this was news to you, just take this as an invitation to begin to think about this whole process of repair in a different way. And to my earlier point about why is it that some children find it harder to apologize than perhaps another child in your family? Well, it can be because to apologize requires us to be vulnerable. And if there's a lot of focus on mistakes or who's right, who's wrong in our family, if that has become the tone in our family when we want to work out who needs to apologize to whom and we get very insistent that one child apologizes to the other and it becomes more of a forced thing what we will often see is that it becomes almost too vulnerable to apologize and remember we can say we can get a child to say anything we want if we apply enough threats or pressure but we cannot ever ensure that a child is feeling the sincerity of what they're saying any child can be made to say sorry but if we want our children to really connect with the apology that's and the sincerity offered in the apology we have to be willing to lead the way and we do that when we model the good apology to them and when we show up in this way this concludes today's episode i hope that this has given you something to 
adopt maybe into your parenting, maybe food for thought. Maybe you realize that, hey, do you know, I do that already. Excellent. And maybe you realize, oh, I tend to always apologize for my feelings. Maybe I could start not doing that and maybe own my feelings, model that all feelings are valid and okay and welcome, but that it's a way that I dealt with my feelings that I apologize for. Remember guys, when you next are in these situations, it is precisely curiosity that helps you move from a difficult moment. Instead of getting furious, get curious. I wish you a wonderful week and I will be back soon.